So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. There's a, a popular saying, uh, popular these days, that's um, attributed to St. Francis. Maybe many of you have heard it. Uh, Preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. How many of you heard that, that saying before? Yeah. Um, I know that some of you like this saying, and I once liked it. <laughs> I have some bad news for you if you like this saying. I, it's actually the very thing I want to preach against this morning. Not so much against it, uh, as against what, what we mean by it. Because most of us, I think, uh, we actually latch onto this phrase for a good reason. I think when we hear this phrase, we're like, yes, because what we're thinking of sort of as the opposite is sort of this um, aggressive, confrontational, sort of cold call style of evangelism, right? And which uh, many Christians have found exhausting to try and exercise, and many listeners to such presentations have not found it uh, a welcome means of hearing the gospel. So we hear like, well, as opposed to this sort of aggressive street corner cold calling, something like that, you know, preach the gospel if necessary, use words. So there, I, it's understandable that this phrase would have some traction with us. Additionally, one of the great cries of uh, the world right now against the church is that we're all a bunch of hypocrites. So by appealing to deeds instead of words, we can sort of try and safeguard against this accusation of hypocrisy. Well, it's like, well, I'm not saying much with my lips. I'm just doing stuff, right? So it makes sense that this phrase would be popular. Um, so there is some good in the phrase, but I think, unfortunately, in our reception of the phrase, we've watered it down to mean something like, and tell me if this doesn't sound like how you understand it, you know, I will be a kind and virtuous and gracious person and other people will notice and they'll ask why. And I'll tell them it's because I follow Christ. And then they'll want to be a Christian. Um, no need to show of hands, but how, for how many of us is this sort of the sum of our evangelism strategy? The trouble is, and I admit for several years this was my evangelism strategy, the trouble is I think the world just doesn't care. They don't care if you're a kind and gracious, virtuous person in general. They especially don't care what your motives are for being kind and gracious. They just don't care. Also, um, sort of complicating things is that there are plenty, and I know many of them, plenty of uh, atheists, heathens, who are gracious and virtuous and kind and even self-sacrificing. Um, so good deeds in themselves don't just point directly to Christ because non-Christians are doing them, right? So good deeds alone aren't preaching the gospel because many people are doing the good deeds who actively reject the gospel. Christianity isn't demonstrated by good deeds in themselves. Um, I think it's also useful to think about St. Francis himself in the 13th century and in context, maybe what he actually meant by this saying. Uh, think, remember his life, he was the wealthy son of a wealthy businessman. And he gave up every penny of his inheritance with the sole reason that he could be one of Christ's poor and live among the poor as a witness to the gospel. And 
That's the kind of deed that might preach the gospel because it makes no sense to the heathen, right? They'd be like, why would you just give up all your money? Why would you live a life of insecurity and liability to sickness and all these things when you could have had comfort and ease? That's a deed that might preach the gospel. And if the Lord leads you to such radical things, thanks be to God. I mean, follow his leading. Um, those deeds might preach Christ. Uh, but our ordinary sort of acts of goodness or kindness or courtesies, I don't think they're of the same order as what St. Francis was doing or talking about. Which isn't to say we should let ourselves off the hook about the small acts of the Christian life. Absolutely, as Christians, God desires that in our carrying out of our vocation, whether it's in the family or in a, in a work or in some avocation or in retirement, whatever station we're in, that out of obedience to him, we would live honestly, as we were studying in catechism this morning, and, and virtuously and uprightly. And that's a good thing. God actually calls us to do it, but chiefly because he wants us to be like him. He wants us to be holy, not because it has this sort of great evangelistic uh, outreach. Now, it's necessary that our witness is credible with a good life, like it's a necessary piece, but I think we've put too many eggs these days uh, in that basket. That's the problem. The solution um, for the gospel to be preached is that it needs to be preached. <laughs> and by preached, I don't just mean what happens in a pulpit, right? We kind of think of that word exclusively as what a preacher does in a pulpit. Um, preaching is a mode of speech. The same way we have chit-chat and conversation and deliberation and argumentation, there's preaching, which is also translated declaring proclaiming, sort of a message. The angels are preachers, right? Because they just come saying, I got a message for you, right? That's, that's preaching. And so all of us, the scripture, Romans 10, 17, wasn't only written to those who get ordained and end up in pulpits, right? It's the word of God for the people of God. Romans 10 was written for you, that you would be preachers. And, so what, and by preachers, I mean in the way you speak about the gospel. Now, when I say that, I'm, I'm actually, I want to be careful here, I'm not saying that we should, all of us, then leave church and then go on a street corner or call up a non-Christian friend and just sort of like try and do that thing, which is, I think, sometimes unwise of this sort of blasting blanket proclamation of the gospel. I actually think we're not supposed to be preaching the gospel all the time. I think we're supposed to be ready to preach the gospel all the time. That's the difference, right? That it's not that we should just forget about the gospel, but it's the difference between like, here's some gospel, I'm just, it's the only thing I talk about, versus being ready in my heart. The scripture says, be prepared to have an answer for the hope that is in you. Be prepared. So that at all times, all waking moments, we should be ready and thinking and looking for, hmm, Lord, is there a chance in which I can share the good news of your son Jesus here? And be always looking. And then sometimes there will be that chance. And then to take that chance and to preach. To share what you know about God and what he's done in Jesus Christ. So that's the big difference. Is by saying we're not supposed to be preaching all the time, let me be really clear. We should be ready to preach. Ready to declare the gospel at any time. Um, and then when we are in our readiness, sort of looking at, and even prayerfully asking in the midst of conversations through the day, asking, Lord, is there a chance here? Does this person, are they ready to hear the gospel? Would you like me to say something? And sort of waiting for that, that, that moment when you sense, okay, yeah, actually, Lord, you're kind of throwing the door wide open here. Okay, I, 
I will now share the good news. It's important then to communicate it earnestly and honestly and lovingly uh, and to speak about who Jesus truly is. And I want to say that I think there's some relationships where it could take years before God presents that opportunity, for whatever reason, years. Um, my dad is a preacher by vocation, a minister. Uh, he had one group of friends who he was friends with them for 10 years before they even found out he was a preacher because he knew that they would be very hard to the gospel. It was some of his gaming buddies in England. My brother Josh is here, that's why I referenced that. Um, and he knew that like, if, if he was sort of doing a hard sell out of the gate, it would, just, it would just be immediate walls. So they didn't even find out he was a preacher for a decade. Um, but then slowly but surely over time, these windows open up. Now sometimes relationships, in different relationships, it can open up much more quickly, right? Um, but sometimes it can take a long time. The readiness is all. I think that's Shakespeare, not scripture. Um, but it's true, the readiness is all. So um, just to give an example, two years ago on World Mission Sunday, I challenged those of you who heard that sermon to be praying every day for the salvation for one non-Christian in Lee County and one non-Christian that you know who's not in Lee County. Because I, I presented the demographic data that about half of Lee County uh, are regular churchgoers, and as much as we can tell from external experience, uh, appearances, meaning that they're Christian. Um, and so I wonder, have you continued to pray for those two people? Um, if we each prayed for one that we know over time, all of Lee County could be saved. Um, maybe you forgot, that's okay. Maybe you could, it's a practice you could take up again. But when I, that Sunday, you know, anytime I give you guys a challenge, I want to do it myself. So we took some time to sort of think about who we might, that might be. And there was someone who lives in Atlanta that I've started praying for regularly. And I get to visit with him about every four months or so. Um, and so for 18 months, I was just kind of praying almost daily. I would forget a lot of times too. But Lord, please open the heart of my friend to your gospel. Please give me an opportunity to share it. And just waiting for that opportunity. We'd hang out, we'd have fun, and just the opportunity wasn't there. But then about five months ago now, we were hanging out with them up in Atlanta at their house. And uh, the kids went to bed, and we're finally able to chat. And the conversation turns to spiritual things and about sort of his bad experiences with Christianity. And it's like, oh my gosh, here it is. This is what I've been praying for. So we started talking, and I started kind of like gently sort of sharing some of my recent experiences with trying to follow the Lord and what I think the Christian life looks like and what has kind of calls me forth. And he's a little bit interested, but he's got a lot of difficulties. And we actually stayed up talking till 3.30, which I never stay up that late anymore. Um, but we stayed at 3.30. And by the end of the night, he still didn't believe me. He, he wasn't interested in becoming a Christian. He, he still rejected fundamentally my preaching. And that's okay, right? I think part of what Paul is saying in the passage in Romans, not, I think it says, it says, some people don't obey, don't obey the gospel. Some people will hear and not believe. The charge of God is that we would at least proclaim it to give them a chance, right? That just because, the only way they, other people can come to faith is if they hear the gospel. That's the fact of Romans 10. But just because the gospel is preached doesn't mean that everyone is going to become a Christian. I wish that they would. The Lord wishes that they would. But we won't always see success yet, right? That's sort of one of the great Christian hopes is that that night, my friend didn't show any softening of heart, didn't show any interest in sort of listening to the gospel and believing it for himself. But he's not dead yet, right? He has life to live. We don't, I don't know when his dying breath will be. I hope he lives till he's 90. But until 
So he has time yet to, for that word to take root, right? This, the, the Lord uses the images of seed being scattered as the message of the kingdom. That we sort of plant, scatter these seeds and then we'll see what the Lord does with it. So I'm still praying for my friend regularly. And I, I know that he's got the raw data now. He's heard a presentation of Christianity that was truer and more useful than some of the strange things he kind of heard growing up. So there's a chance for it to take effect. So I'm now praying, Lord, let that seed sink in. You know, let it come to fruit. Soften his heart. Soften his heart. Because refusal of the gospel is always a hardness of heart problem. And so I still pray. And, and until his dying breath, I'll keep praying. And I hope that the Lord might save him. And so I think, I give this as an example of being ready to preach the gospel and then using words to preach the gospel when the chance presents itself. Um, I want to say just a little thing then about what words to say. One of the great confusions out there is that their faith is supposed to be presented with kind of argumentation and reasoning and deliberation, maybe some apologetics. Um, I think this has been a great stumbling block. The Christian message is based on testimony, right? The apostles were just simple guys, fishermen, famously, right? And they just said, look, I just know what I saw. He came back from the dead. That's why we heard our, our reading from the gospel today. This guy came back from the dead. I believe it, and let me tell you about it, right? Now, we don't have the privilege of seeing with our eyes, but as the Lord said, blessed are those who have not seen but believed. But we can still testify to the truth to say with your own testimony, apart from argumentation, I know that God exists. Emphasis on the I. Make it your testimony, right? Not, well, the church believes. I know that God exists. I believe that 1987 years ago, a man died and was raised from the dead. And that, that all happened so that I could be saved from sin and death. I believe that. Right? Hitch your name to the, t to the truth, and it's a testimony. You don't need any argumentation. You could just recite the Apostles' Creed as we're studying it in catechism. Actually, when we look at sort of Christian history, the greatest missionaries of all time have never been sort of other argumentative types. They've been simple, earnest folk who just said, this is what I know. I've experienced that God has forgiven me. I know that. The same way I know anything is kind of true, you know, in, in, with, that is beyond sort of sense data to testify to it. Because when we use, rely on testimony, and I, what I want to say is, the importance of testimony is that it's honest, right? So if you've experienced God doing miracles, great, testify to them. If you've experienced only sort of a smaller portion of God's power, just testify to that. I know that when I come to church, I experience peace that I don't experience elsewhere. Something's as simple as that. If that's true about what you can testify to, that's your testimony in the present. And thanks be to God for it. Even if you don't know the reasons, I don't even know which part of church brings peace. I hope that's your testimony. Um, but it doesn't have to be even a large presentation. It can just be small. I know that when I've prayed for these things, over time the Lord has answered them. That's a testimony. And when we do that, when we share our testimony, um, it can't be argued with, right? People can't say, well, let's break down the pieces of that. They can just either accept or reject it. It's irreducible. That's the great thing about it. Um, you just force people to sort of say, well, you're crazy, or, wow, if that's true, I'd like to know more. Right? It kind of creates a, a presentation of the gospel. When we do that, we join the apostles. This long tradition, 2,000 years now, right, we've been passing down testimony, giving our own testimony, and we, we join that chorus when we testify to what we know and have experienced about God. 
So my prayer for this year, if I could give you another challenge, um, between now and next World Mission Sunday, is be praying somewhat regularly that the Lord would open up an opportunity to preach. And, and if you pray that regularly, he'll answer it. And that'll be really exciting to see, right? And may, maybe with a colleague or a family member or a neighbor, an acquaintance. And maybe it won't be this year. Maybe you pray all year and you just feel like, Lord, I was praying for this and nothing showed up. Well, maybe you can keep praying for it. But I challenge you to pray for a year, and it'd be interesting to see what the Lord might do with those prayers. Um, I want to close with the verse I began with. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Amen.